On this episode of the Nesson Soccer Podcast, we discuss whether coming changes to Barcelona's leadership will impact Pep Guardiola's future as Manchester City manager. Hello and welcome to the Nesson Soccer Podcast. I am Mark along with Marcus. And uh, Marcus, how are you doing this rainy afternoon? I'm very good. Uh, trying not to have my mood match the weather. Yeah, it's a difficult thing. It's it's getting to be that time of year. Um, is, yeah. But this time of year excites me because it's like soccer is really getting going. We're done with all the transfer rumors and like the teams are kind of set and it's like, you know, Either your guys are going to get the job done or not. And speaking of guys that got the job done, I'm going to spring a couple of things on here, Marcus. Congrats to the New England Revolution for making the MLS playoffs. That was on Wednesday night. Uh, they did it in classic Revs fashion, uh, losing to the Red Bulls on a late goal, but other outcomes around the league pushed them into the into the playoffs. So congrats to them. Yeah, the Revolution then, are uh, – well, before you move on, the Revolution yeah. – uh, I'm oddly excited about uh, their playoff chances uh, only because yeah, players like Carlos Gill coming back, uh, they have a chance to be, you know, after a few more weeks, maybe they get to uh, settle their lineup a bit, get into a rhythm. Uh, they, they have a chance to make a run in the MLS uh, playoffs. Have you, as you've seen in uh, soccer and other sports, strange things can happen in uh, 2020. So <laughs> uh, the revolution are in the mix and who knows what can happen uh, during this short, uh, you know, the, the postseason. they haven't announced the uh, dates or anything, but um, I just have a feeling this team could be a bit better, quite a bit better two weeks from now than they are, uh, than they are currently. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is Bruce arena's first trip to the, playoffs as the Revs head coach that is true yes. they, yeah so um it's kind of oh wait know, no they is, uh sorry they, did they make it last year they were in the playoffs last year yes uh okay. but this is his first full season as right. coach and yeah his, his uh, ongoing project continues that is that is correct um and i think we should start a new segment marcus we should have the zlatan quote of the week every week um, because there was another great one, and I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I'm just going to read it off. Uh, this is uh, the Swedish star has returned from his battle with coronavirus, scoring goals again from Milan. And uh, this is what he said when asked about um, kind of the growing, the return, let's call it a second wave of the pandemic throughout Europe as more and more cities are kind of shutting down. He said, um, the virus challenged me and I won. But you are not Zlatan. Do not challenge the virus. Use your head, respect the rules, social distancing, and masks always. So a that message is, of caution, but also Zlatan. That is, uh, that, that is peak Zlatan. <laughs> totally on brand. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into, uh, you know, what we actually said we were going to talk about on the show today. Um, and... Uh, Starts with some rough news at Barcelona. Um, well, depending on who you are, you might see it as very welcome news. Um, 
But the Barcelona president, Josep Maria Bartomeu, I'm pretty sure I got that right. Yeah, close uh, enough. Yeah, he resigned on Tuesday. Um, he was going to be out of the club one way or another, you know, within a year or the, the springtime was going to bring in a, a round of voting. But, you know, it's so it, it's kind of maybe saving face, walking away before you get fired sort of thing. Um, but uh, this is obviously just after Barcelona lost El Clasico versus Real Madrid. Um, and there's been everything going on with Lionel Messi. And of course, the club just overall not really performing um, to the extremely high standards that they have for themselves. But, uh, you know, Marcus, what, what do we make of, uh, you know, we saw this coming, but now it's actually happened. So what do we make of Bartomeu uh, being out at Barcelona? Yeah, I had a, um, a former teacher used to call this tie goes to the runner where uh, you're about to get kicked out and you quit just before, you know, it's like in baseball term, you're out of here. I quit. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's one of those uh, it, it's one of those deals. Uh, Barcelona disgruntled members had gathered enough signatures to force a vote of no confidence, which was going to come up in early November. Uh, Bartomeu read the, uh, the signs, I believe he, the club went to the uh, Catalan government, the regional government, to try <laughs> and have the, uh, the vote postponed under uh, coronavirus. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Because of coronavirus, uh, saying it wouldn't be safe to have tens of thousands of people coming to the stadium to cast their votes. The regional government actually said, go ahead. Um, you, you know, you can, you can do this as an institution. So uh, once the regional <laughs> government made that decision, Bartomeu decided, and uh, along with the board, to resign on the spot. They will put a um, kind of a temporary stewardship team in, and I believe the elections will be pushed ahead. They were due to take place in March. Uh, there's a good chance now that they will happen uh, a lot sooner. Uh, I want to say, don't quote me on this, but I believe before the end of 2020, uh, they might have. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it'll be imminent. Um, but, you know, it has us looking at Barcelona's legacy under Bartomeu. When he started, he took over for uh, his close friend, Sandro Rossell. He was elected to uh, two terms starting in 2014. Barcelona in his first season won La Liga, won the Champions League, won the treble, actually. Uh, in total, four league titles under his leadership, but that was then the team, as we have uh, the horse we've beaten to death on this show, Barcelona has become progressively worse year on year, uh, leading to last summer where Lionel Messi, of all people, came out in that extraordinary interview, blasted the board, blasted Bartomeu for um, not keeping his promise to him that he'd be able to leave. He said, the project, uh, the, the sporting project has been going wayward for years now. Uh, last season was Barcelona's first trophyless season uh, in, in ages. Uh, leading, and it also, uh, in conjunction with the pandemic, they announced that they've lost over, uh, they were over 200 million euros in the red last year. So the club's in uh, dire financial straits. 
they had to push out players like Luis Suarez, Ivan Rakitic, and the team currently is underperforming, uh, as was yeah. evidenced by El Clasico, where, uh, you know, as we saw Real Madrid, they came in, they did what they had to do, but Barcelona just didn't have the strength to deal with uh, a Real Madrid team that is far from firing on all cylinders. So uh, this seems like uh, Bartomeu made the announcement on Tuesday, and that is now day zero for Barcelona's future. Uh, and that's the Bartomeu story in a nutshell, but he left with an utter bombshell of a, uh, of an announcement in his 30 uh, minute press conference. He revealed that Barcelona had already agreed to join a super league to quote, guarantee the financial stability of the club and, uh, entrench its place at or near the top of, uh, the money league that big time. European club soccer is. Uh, sorry, Mark, I've been droning on about Barcelona, but did you get No, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that's pretty shocking move to like make that announcement in your exit press conference. It's like, can we even take what he has said as being any sort of fact? Um, but, well, uh, two yeah. things. One, the Super League, doesn't exist yet in any right uh you know there are talks about a uh, new 18 team european competition that they're trying to start uh it'll pretty much usurp the champions league uh uefa came out and condemned the move actually um you know announcing their strong opposition to uh the concept of a super league um you know but this league itself doesn't exist uh but it would be a closed team a closed league with 18 teams uh you know the biggest in europe and barcelona says count us in now that doesn't mean they're in because there's nothing to enter uh right and barcelona's members also would have to approve the change but uh uefa came out swinging they said the principles of solidarity promotion relegation and of open leagues are non-negotiable this is what is behind European football and makes the Champions League the best sporting competition in the world. Uh, UEFA has to protect the Champions League at all costs because that is its big money league. Yeah. FIFA came out and, uh, oh, sorry, it's their big money driver. Uh, FIFA came out and said uh, in a statement on Wednesday, FIFA is not aware of any agreement. As we already said last week, uh, the topic of the Super League comes up every now and again. And FIFA has no wish to comment further on this since there are already well-established football institutional structures to deal with. Generally speaking, and as stated again last week by the FIFA president, the focus of FIFA is on global football development and the new Club World Cup, not any European Super League. Yeah. Uh, this strikes me as a negotiation. Uh, <laughs> it, it seems like... <sighs> Barcelona and some of Europe's other biggest clubs are banded together to take their ball and decide what, uh, where to go with it. They can, they can stay in the current competitions and probably ask for more from UEFA and more from, uh, from FIFA in terms of guaranteeing places in the club world cup that would be expanded and highly lucrative. But, uh, 
Yeah, Barcelona. It was an extraordinary section of Bartomeu's announcement where he's saying, by the way, we're in the Super League when no Super League has been announced. Right. There is no, um, you know, there's no website. There's no Twitter account. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I don't understand what Barcelona had agreed to join, but uh, that's that's what he said on the way out the door. And uh, a potential new well, presidential candidate commented he said it was a weird statement uh victor font is his name and he's the uh, presumed leader in the uh, or the front runner in barcelona's upcoming election uh he said it was weird but he would look into it as uh you know barcelona president should he win the job well it's it's all it's very weird thing to say that you're just simply in the league i mean and we also haven't there's nothing to go off of as far as who exactly gets to be a part of this super league. Is it just another level up of promotion and relegation in which case Barcelona is in 12th in La Liga right now, you know, like they wouldn't qualify. No, this would be a, I think this would be a just different... like the biggest clubs. Yeah. Um... But you know, I, I mean, and like we didn't want to get into the super league talk, but um, the only thing I would say what every time it comes up, is one, two things I would say. One, don't um, underestimate what, you know, the power of you're going to make a ton more money if you're in this league can push these teams to do, but also don't underestimate the power of, um, you know, the collective fan body of these teams. And we see that, like, you know, fans vote for who is the president of Barcelona. And... Uh, the local government is involved. And if collectively, you know, the people uh, and the fans of these clubs don't want this to happen, I think that they'll have a serious influence on what ultimately comes out. I, I wouldn't be surprised that there's a big change to the Champions League and the format of that and have there be more European competition. But I mean, you know, and not just in Barcelona. I mean, you look at all the different fan bases. You go to England. I mean, I'm pretty sure that Manchester United fans don't want to suddenly be not playing against Tottenham and Chelsea and Liverpool and simply playing, you know, Bayern Munich and Juventus every week. Like, it's those are great matches when they come in European competition, but the local rivalries are certainly what drive um so much interest and popularity in these clubs uh at least at the local level um i don't know it's it's just like the you think oh big european league the best teams there's gonna make they're gonna make so much money but it's like you know you're also sacrificing a lot um by you know removing teams out of the domestic leagues uh, that, if that's yeah. So like, what does that, you know, I, I you know, I'm just going to say, like, I hope it doesn't happen. I'd be okay with like an expanded Champions League or like even, you know, just kind of more European games. Uh, but then also, and we'll get into this with Manchester City in the second half of our show. Like, you also have to just, I think we need to start to manage how many games are being played by these teams. I mean, we run into situations like with Liverpool last year where they had two legitimate like the first team is supposed to play matches on the same day last year or like day you know one day after the other 
And Liverpool just had to pick one and say, we'll play like our U-20s. And like, it's just, there's just so many matches. And it's like, you have to really devote your time and effort into research of like, what is this competition for? Why should I care? Why am I watching? Um, and it's, it's a lot to keep straight, obviously. Um, so I think it's just, there, I think at a certain point, there needs to be a reality check of like, okay, what are we doing? Is it actually the best move? Like, or are we just, you know, making crazy moves just because we don't know what to do with ourselves? And that's my rant on that. <laughs> well ranted. Uh, I think <laughs> stay tuned uh, because there are so many unknowns, uh, un- unknown unknowns and unknown knowns that uh, what is exactly what is being proposed uh is still up in the air uh, as is what effect it might have on uh, the sport as we know it. So um, I would, uh, I don't know. I say I can't really comment on it because I wouldn't know what to comment on other than the potential uh, destruction. No, that's not the word I'm thinking of, uh, of European domestic leagues losing either the best clubs or the best players from those clubs, because presumably the clubs would save those star players for the super league. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's tough to know. Um, This seems like a, uh, it's a corporate story and uh, we just don't know enough about it yet. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, let's move on to, uh, Manchester City and their kind of struggles so far this year. Um, we're going to talk a lot about Pep Guardiola, but, uh, you know, I, the Premier League is a bit topsy-turvy right now with Everton and Liverpool tied at the top and Aston Villa up there and Leeds United is winning games. But Manchester City is down in 13th um, on eight points. Um, they actually have only played five matches while the majority of the league has played six. So yeah, it's early on and two wins in a row and they'll be back in, you know, the top six probably, but it's, things are not at all going well, I would say for Manchester city, certainly not in up to their standards. And Pep Guardiola has been there a while and, you know, I mean, he's starting to look like he's on the hot seat, but we just kind of wanted to dive into what has gone wrong with Manchester city. I kind of signaled out two things. I kind of just mentioned it, that things are out of whack all over with soccer for many different reasons. Um, And I think a lot of it just kind of comes back to the pandemic. And I think on team by team basis, basis and player by player basis, like, it's just had different effects on people and it's led to just kind of this wide open year of results with soccer. I think we've especially seen it internationally, but also with club soccer. Um, And I do wonder, you know, just to like put it out there before we dive into everything that like, what if Man City just like for whatever reason did not handle or has not handled everything surrounding the pandemic and all the 
um, regulations that have come along with it and trying to carry out the season has, they just have not handled it well and have had just essentially a bit of bad luck with everything, but that's kind of an easy excuse. Um, Manchester city spent a lot of money in the off season. Uh, as far as just dollars spent kept pace with all the big clubs in England and around Europe, but you kind of look at who left Leroy Sané went to Bayern Munich. Otamendi went to Benfica. David Silva went to Real Sociedad. The last two I just mentioned, pretty old, but, you know, significant players. And who replaces them? Ruben Diaz was the biggest signing for Man City from Benfica. He's played in two games, scored zero goals. Uh, Nathan Aki has played in four matches, scored a goal. He's a defensive defender. defender. Uh, but, you know, it just doesn't seem to be the real kind of star power coming in to replace stars that have gone out. And the stars that, have, that went out, it didn't necessarily seem like it was like David Silva, I think is like 33, 34, you know? Um, yeah, he's up there. It, it makes sense that they are on their way out. It's just what doesn't make sense is that nobody seems to be on their way in. And I think at the end of the day, that is really what it comes down to. And even a head coach like Pep Guardiola can only do so much. Um, but Marcus, I'm sure you have uh, even more in-depth knowledge on, on what you think is going on. Well, with uh, Manchester City, you're right about the uh, pandemic and the uh, chaos that it has wrought Uh Manchester City, certainly under Pep Guardiola, is, uh, I guess you can compare them to a machine that is uh, designed and accustomed to operating in a certain way. And when you throw uh, certain factors out of whack, the whole machine can uh, cease operating, certainly as effectively and perhaps altogether. Now, uh, what Manchester City has going against them is that over the last two seasons, they played 120 games in all competition. That is more than any uh, Premier League team. And so they, you know, they, they played a lot in their off season between 2019-20 and 2020-21 was two weeks long. Uh, so <laughs> this team played into August and then had to restart in early September. Long story short, they are tired. Now, uh, Pep Guardiola has talked about that where, you know, he talked about the amount of games that they're playing. He said some of the players are tired, but he also talked about their mental state. Uh, so tired legs often give way to tired minds. Now, you talked about David Silva, and there's a player that I need to mention, Vincent Company. When he left at the end of the 2018-19 season, Manchester City never effectively replaced him. Not only was he uh, there, by the time he left, he wasn't their rock of a center back, but he still was the, he still was the, uh, he set the tone in the dressing room. He led Manchester City's winning culture and losing him as well as injuries they suffered in the defense last season. Uh, Emmerich Laporte being uh, chief among them. They, uh, they, they really missed company and they still haven't effectively replaced him. But how do you replace somebody who's going to have a statue at the club? Uh, but mm. this is really a long story about 
transitioning, uh, transitioning from one era, which was the uh, Vincent Company, Sergio Aguera, David Silva, uh, Joe Hart's already gone. Um, who else am I thinking of? That uh, Yaya Torre, he, he's been gone for a while, but you know, Manchester City's champions of, let's say, five years ago, the squad hasn't regenerated. And, you know, that's that's really down to Guardiola. He inherited a great squad, squeezed the absolute most out of them. But the players that have come in as replacements just haven't been up to the same standards. Uh, you know, I will acknowledge how difficult this has to be because how do you replace the players that were key and critical in the club's greatest ever period in its history. Um, you know, that's not easy to do, but you talked about the money they spent, uh, the, the, the amount for they spent, they haven't gotten the bang for their buck. Um, and that's, you know, I don't think too many people will argue against that. And that leads to questions about Pep Guardiola. Uh, he signed a three-year contract in 2016 then added another year, two years later. So his contract is up at the end of this season. And at some point soon, he's going to have to make a decision on whether to stay or leave the club. And uh, as I read earlier this week in the Daily Mail, the decision is his and his alone. Here we are at uh, really the start of November. Guardiola claims his contract won't impact the performances, but the Daily Mail reports that some of the squad are wondering just who they'll be playing under next season. So they benefited from continuity in the past. Uh, there is a big chance that there will be a break in that continuity. And I think you're starting to see the effects of that uncertainty coupled with the effects of the pandemic uh, contributing to Manchester City's slow start. Uh, they have, they, they scored just eight goals uh, which is 15th in the Premier League. Gabriel Jesus was injured in the opener. Sergio Aguero was out for four months. He came back and was injured in, I believe, his first game. Guardiola talked about uh, why they didn't buy a striker this season because currently right now they don't have a fit, recognized striker. Uh, and he said, well, they couldn't find the right deal for it. There was a question over whether there was money for Manchester City to go out and buy you know, a big player, but with Gabriel Jesus on the books, Sergio Aguero on the books, it's hard to find a striker that's going to come in and fit into that. Uh, do you buy somebody as competition for these two, or do you buy somebody who is uh, just, you know, willing to play every third game or, you know, play a bit part? And this gets to maybe my final point on this Manchester City transition which is they've invested so much money in their academy, uh, whether it's, you know, their facilities or poaching young players from other clubs. I'm surprised and shocked that other than Phil Foden in the last uh, three to five, in the Guardiola years, we haven't seen a young player step up from Manchester City's academy and seize a place in or around the team. Uh, not getting bang for their buck in terms of investment in, uh, you know, that sparkling facility they have on the blue half of Manchester. Yeah, that is pretty surprising to, I mean, you look at other big clubs, uh, 
that have produced homegrown players, let's call them um, in England and, and across Europe, it's, you, there's always like one or two guys that are in the first team that are academy guys. Um, yeah. Bayern but, Munich, Bayern Munich sets out to produce one first team player every year from their academy. And when you do that, you save a lot of money. You, mm-hmm. you build a lot of goodwill uh, with the squad and with the fan base and just good things happen. It's, it creates a ripple effect. Um, yeah. Manchester City has not been able to do that outside of Phil Foden to any great effect, unless there's somebody that's playing regular games there that I'm just not thinking of. Um, but I don't think that's the case. Uh, I don't think so either. Yeah. Well, but, uh, yeah. We're, we're running a little short on time, but I want to make one more point about Guardiola is that Manchester City is looking at uh, there are two candidates that uh, this Daily Mail article has uh you know, put forward as replacements. One is Mauricio Pochettino, who was fired from Tottenham last year. He's still waiting for the perfect job, the right job. And if he waits uh, a few more months, he could replace Guardiola or Red Bull Leipzig's 33-year-old Julian Nagelsmann, uh, who is, I guess, officially the boy wonder of uh, European soccer coaches. (laughs) City likes them both. And also Barcelona president Victor presidential candidate Victor Font, who is the presumed front runner, came out today and said he wants to put the band back together, which is <laughs> bringing in guys like Xavi, Carlos Puyol uh, as, uh, you know, in executive roles and possibly as a coach. And also he wanted to re- reunite Pep Guardiola with Lionel Messi. So you could see Guardiola coming in with Xavi as his, uh, you know, somewhere on his staff as his heir apparent and successor. And, you know, maybe Guardiola comes for uh, Messi's last few years at Barcelona. Uh, These two stories we've talked about, I didn't realize it until the end, how linked they are, but Mm. uh, changes at Barcelona could drive change at Man City and vice versa. Well, I do think that Guardiola will head out just because he seems to go places for four years and then leave. Um, And it seems to be lining up to just continue on that way. I do think that if Pochettino is the next Man City coach, it'll be a huge mistake for Man City. But Nagelsmann would be a great signing. And I hope that that's what happens because if Julian Nagelsmann goes to Manchester City, then our guy Jesse Marsh gets the promotion from FC Salzburg, Red Bull Salzburg, up to Red Bull Leipzig in the Bundesliga. And so that ripple effect continues. Um, That's what I hope would happen, and I think would happen. But, yeah, we are running short on time, Marcus. So let's get to our matches of the weekend. I'll go first. I got Borussia Mönchengladbach versus Red Bull Leipzig. Uh, That's Saturday at 1.30 Eastern on ESPN+. Uh, my reason for this is Gladbach tied Real Madrid in the Champions League midweek. Um, and they had a two-goal lead versus Real Madrid. Real Madrid, of course, dealing with all of their issues, scored two goals in the last five minutes of the match to uh, you know, escape with the tie. Meanwhile, Red Bull Leipzig uh, had a pretty embarrassing defeat five nothing to Manchester United which is 
very surprising because we've talked about Man United, uh, you know, not being the Man United of old. We've talked so much about Red Bull Leipzig being on this extreme upward trend. So, so to see them meet in the Champions League and have it be so one-sided was very surprising. So I'm interested to see how they bounce back. Leipzig right now is leading Bundesliga by one point over Bayern Munich. Um, you still know, we, early. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll always say it's still early, but, uh, you know, it's just I want to see how they bounce back. And, of course, still fun to watch Tyler Adams playing for Leipzig. So yeah, what about cool. you, Marcus? This weekend, here's my cue, my laugh track. Manchester United against Arsenal. <laughs> 11.30 a.m. Sunday on Peacock. This was my game because, duh, Arsenal's playing. But also, not a lot of great games this weekend uh, right. that I'm you know, really looking forward to. It was actually an easy choice. Even though Man United is, is in 15th and Arsenal is in 11th, United can overtake Arsenal. Uh, and still have a game in hand on points. Both teams are vying for Champions League and Europa League places and, you know, really trying to reaffirm themselves as uh, among the powers domestically and uh, maybe going forward in Europe. But more than anything, it's uh, it stokes nostalgia for what this game used to mean to me and other uh, Premier League fans um, 10 years ago, certainly 20 years ago, it was the... Mm. Uh, clash of the titans but even 10 years ago it was must see tv you knew you were going to get a good show uh that's not so much the case now but as i said not a lot of great games this weekend so arsenal man united it is all right marcus uh thank you for joining me this afternoon uh to our listeners out there uh keep following along you can find us on nesson.com slash podcast and you can also find us on Spotify and iTunes by searching Nesson Soccer Podcast, uh, where we encourage you to like, subscribe, download, comment, um, tell Marcus uh, how, how well he is doing. And, um, <laughs> or to watch another team. Right. <laughs> so uh, we, we appreciate all of that. And yeah, everybody, you know, go Revs. And, and remember, listen to Zlatan, wear your mask. Why's you more south? Come and say, turn off the rebel radio.